Some might not know that anime and black culture have a long history together. I've been a fan of anime since I was in high school in the late 80s when I watched bootleg VHS tapes of series like Lupin III and Robotech. Black artists and celebrities like Denzel Curry, Flying Lotus, Megan Thee Stallion, Samuel Jackson, Michael B. Jordan, Little Uzi Vert, and others are known fans of the genre. With Flying Lotus and Jackson being part of the anime series like Yaosuke and Afro Samurai. Even hyphen artist Masego has a song called Black Anime from his latest self-titled album. Black culture has been inspired by Asian culture since the 1970s, beginning with Chinese martial art movies like 1972's Fist of Fury, famously the 1978 classic The 36th Chamber of Shaolin, inspired by RZA to create the Wu-Tang Clan, and their 1993 debut album Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers, which features samples from the film. Anime even embrace black music from shows like Samurai Champloo, incorporating hip-hop production by Japanese producer Nujabez, to Cowboy B-Pops incorporating jazz by Yoko Kano throughout the series. When Japan began to export anime to America, black youth embraced it just like they did the martial arts films years earlier. Series like Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, and One Piece became staples in black culture and still are to this day. Anime themes of overcoming obstacles and challenging the status quo resonated with black people experiencing similar things in real life right here in America. I wanted to know more, so I reached out to Kofi Bazell-Smith, a manga artist, a graduate student at University of Illinois pursuing a Master of Fine Arts in New Media, a U.S.-Japan bridging scholar, and professional boxer to learn more about the intersection of black culture and anime. Talk to me out of how, like, where did the inspiration to get involved into and in, in understanding Japanese culture come from? Oh, well, it started actually with a general interest in East Asian culture. So I grew up in um, practicing Chinese Kung Fu. Uh, okay. My dad's a fourth degree black belt in Shaolin really? Kung Fu. So, yeah. So I grew up in the Kung Fu school. Like, my earliest memories are in the Kung Fu school. Um, so my dad trained me and my brother um, growing up. I was in there before I could walk. And that's where I learned about stories like the Monkey King and stuff like that. And then, you know, started kind of accidentally watching anime with Dragon Ball Z. You know, I think everybody in my generation in the in the 90s grew up watching Dragon Ball Z. Mm -hmm. And then I found out the connection between Dragon Ball and Monkey King. And it's the same story. And um, I just started drawing on my own since I was about like six years old, just sitting in my room. I taught myself how to draw. And my dad started buying me manga. And um, like, I didn't read my first. Your um, dad started buying you manga. That's that's when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He saw me. He saw that I loved anime and he would try to watch it with us, but he didn't really get it. Um, My dad was like, hey, what are you what are you watching? Why are you watching this stuff, man? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, he supported it. I mean, we grew up watching kung fu movies. So dad's big kung fu head. So like, for example, um, Thanksgiving, um, every Thanksgiving, instead of watching football, we would watch The Last Dragon. Right. With, oh, yeah, with man. Time That's my classic. And show, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up watching that. Um, and all like the Jackie Chan flicks, Bruce Lee, Donnie Yen, you know, Samo Hung, Michelle Yo, all that. And uh, yeah, so I've just been drawing manga in my room since I was a little kid. Then my dad would buy me manga. I didn't actually read my first American, like Western comics until I was like in middle school. Okay. I met uh, this artist, really famous black comic artist now, John Jennings. He was a, he's like Afrofuturist comic artist. He was a professor in my hometown in Champaign, Illinois at the time. And I would meet him like in the library and stuff. And he would teach me about making comics, gave me some comics theory books uh, by Scott McCloud from back in the nineties. 
some Spider-Man and Spawn comics. And yeah, that just, I've just been doing it since, I guess. Oh, you collect the Spawn comics too? Well, John gave me some Spawn and Spider-Man okay. comics and I, and some Wu-Tang also. Okay. Wu-Tang had like a comics run. Yep. Um, so my first was like Japanese comics and then black comics plus Spider-Man. That's, that was like my whole mm. comics upbringing. Yeah, I, I collected comics. I actually had a, I, I actually had a similar path sort of growing mm. up. One of my closest friends is Korean. I've known him since middle school. I'm a godfather to his daughter. We grew up in Atlanta together. They moved to Korea. His wife is Korean born. He's born here. Actually, he was actually born in Illinois, but oh. was raised in Atlanta. And then like we used to watch like all of VHS, like uh, Lupin the Third, you know, the, the little those. Yeah. So all the VH, like I was watching anime, like I didn't even know what's called anime. Like I just thought it was, right. ja- we called it Japanese cartoons when we, yep. were, when we were young because it was back mm-hmm. in the uh, late 80s, right? Mm-hmm. I started drawing, I had my own comic company called Chili Comics and I had a prehistoric oh, nice. grasshopper called uh, Hopper. I wow. created, like I did all this stuff and uh, and then I got into like architecture and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. then let's fast forward to um, where you are now and, yeah. and talk about. Yeah, so um so you know i was always doing martial arts and um you know school was easy but i didn't like it so i uh i got a full ride to university of illinois when i was 18 lasted two semesters and dropped out um because um i started fighting mma actually when i was 17 i um i started a fight club um which is crazy but so i was wrestling in school i saw ufc on tv and I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. So I started with MMA and I would meet um, other high schoolers uh, after school. And we would go to this park called Westside Park, put on some MMA gloves and we would fight. Um, and I had a bunch of fights. People would go to the hospital and stuff. Um, <laughs> and I got recruited by this MMA gym when I was 18. So I wasn't going to class. Right. I was I was training all day. I was just I was using the gym at the university. I was going to a Muay Thai practice. I was going to a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practice. Sort of absorbed my whole life. During this time, I wasn't drawing very much. Um, so I dropped out, got some tattoos, spent my book money on some tattoos. <laughs> um, and then my parents were mad. And But my dad was like, well, you, you got to do something. Um, so I enrolled in the nearby community college. And I didn't know what to study. Right? I didn't know what major to pick. And he was like, well, you like anime. Why don't you take Japanese? Um, and I was like, all right, whatever. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm really good at this. So like I was failing all my other classes because I wouldn't show up, but I was getting straight A's in Japanese. Um, so that's the only class that I really stuck with. And I finished the two year program in community college. And as I'm fighting, I um, got really interested in like the international community. So I started volunteering as a conversation partner and I met all these people from all over the world and I was like, started getting little gigs, teaching English on the side for cash for like 10 bucks an hour, stuff like that. Meeting people from Saudi Arabia, Korea, Japan, Thailand, all over. Just this dropout black kid hanging out with all the international students <laughs> and having a good time. So I'm still fighting, um, working a bunch of horrible jobs, working at a factory, um, really, really horrible low wage jobs. And fast forward to I'm 27, still don't have any money. Um, I'm always like drawing, but never really finishing a drawing. I stopped studying Japanese and I was like, all right, I got to do something. So I started saving up money, uh, bought some books on finance, like Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people and Robert Kiyosaki, stuff like that. Um, Saved up five grand, quit my job, flew to Japan. um, And I studied at a, a private language school 
and I took a course on manga storytelling. This is when I was 27, back in 2017. Um, and then I was like, wow, I've been drawing manga this whole time, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was just drawing characters <laughs> with big eyes and pointy chins. There's like a whole <laughs> storytelling structure, like a four arc structure adapted from ancient Chinese poetry. And nobody knows about this because they don't teach it in English. Yeah. So I come back home, get back enrolled in school, and I'm like, I'm going to teach manga in the U.S. So I started developing this goal of sort of like becoming a scholar and bringing that information that I'm learning in Japanese into the U.S. Then, you know, transfer to undergrad, go study abroad in Japan again, meet some professional mangaka, study under them, going back and forth. Um, now I'm in grad school and um, going to like talk at a bunch of universities about manga and going back and forth to Japan a lot. So talk about your first experience in Japan as a, yeah. a black man, like mm -hmm. doing this. What was the reception? What was it like? Talk about that experience. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's funny because like, you know, James Baldwin talks about how he like found himself when he went to France. Mm -hmm. um, and in some ways being somewhere where like, it's so far out of, your element you just like you don't see no black people you see some <laughs> but not really and it's funny it's like you barely see any white people too it's mm. like it's funny like everybody's japanese like I, it's really difficult to explain like everybody is the same race over there what's interesting is it's not um it's not like racism works here people are cool um and it was the first time I'm around people that don't look like me and people don't assume I'm dumb. People assumed I was smart, which was really interesting to me. Mm. Um, so there is xenophobia in Japan, but it's more generally sort of foreigners are like this, not right. like black people versus white people. If you're a foreigner, mm. that's a specific category. But I didn't feel any malicious intent. I made friends with old people really easily. I don't know. I felt very accepted. I had a really great time. I was there for a month the first time. And I stayed at a friend's house who was one of my former conversation partners from like eight years previous. And I hit him up and I just, I had a place to stay the whole time. Um, got to visit, uh, he was a, doing a postdoc. Um, he's a scientist. And I got to meet like some of his colleagues and professors. And then I was like, I can talk to these people. I can do this school stuff. Let me try this again. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I trained at a boxing gym while I was there too, yeah. where um, I learned most of my Japanese in boxing gyms, actually. Really? Nobody, nobody speaks English. So, so pretty, like, are you pretty fluent in Japanese? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. yeah I, I speak Japanese. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I am now. So, it's been a while. So now you're back in school. Is that correct? I'm assuming that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just finished my second year of graduate school. I have one more year in my MFA program. Mm -hmm. And so I'm reading your bio. It says you're a U.S.-Japan bridging scholar. Yeah. What is that exactly? So I, the first time I went to Japan, I spent all my money. I came back really, really broke. I didn't have a job. I just left my job and went. And I came back to the States. I had no money. I had to work at this place where there's like slot game. Anyway, it was horrible. But so I was like, okay, next time I go to Japan, somebody else is going to pay for it. Right. So I get myself back into school. I um I get in touch with the study abroad office at my university, Eastern Illinois University. I say, I want to study abroad. I don't know what that means. I don't know anything about scholarships. Can you help me? They helped me find several scholarships, including the U.S. Japan. Bridging Foundation Scholarship, which gives like a few thousand dollars to undergraduate students. Um, ever since I got that scholarship, um, I've started to reposition and see myself, because when you write your essay, you have to write yourself sort of as like a diplomat, like cultural diplomat. You're bridging the gap. When you go to Japan, you sort of like have a mission and you're representing us. So I sort of took that on as sort of a bridge between cultures through manga. And I've been, um, after I got back, 
I um I I have a tendency to like reach out people that I'm not supposed to. So I emailed the director of the U.S. Japan Bridging Foundation back several years ago, and we're friends now. So actually, the reason why I'm going back to Japan next week is I'm going to talk about the stuff that I'm doing at the 25th anniversary celebration for the U.S. Japan Bridging Foundation in, in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just like forced my way into that. So <laughs> I claimed it and, you know, kind of became it. Cool. And then also in the bio, and this is where we get to the kind of the meat of the subject here. You you wanted to bridge black and Japanese yeah. culture through art and language. Why is that? Why is that so important to do that? I think sometimes we don't realize that we have other places that we can be, whether that's in here or physically. You know, I'm not sure if you're familiar. There's a really interesting YouTube channel called Black in Japan. I watch that. Yeah. 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 So my experiences and seeing what people are talking about. Like there's other places, of course, there's many, many countries in Africa as well, but there's been such a strong sort of interest within the Black American community in East Asia. I think starting early, maybe back in the 70s and like with like Chinese Kung Fu and then like Mm -hmm. there's so many of us that are in anime and manga. Most of the Americans that I know that are doing well, that I know of in making manga are Black, right? So we have like Saturday AM. That's like the biggest manga magazine in the united states that's black owned it's mostly black artists what's it called again saturday a.m check them out oh, they're wow. amazing is yeah. it print or is it just digital what is it a uh, print both. magazine? okay both yeah well i know one of their artists is one who first inspired me oh uh, it's funny his name is white manga but he's nigerian <laughs> and he's in texas um he's got a well, great that. youtube channel i bought one of his books and i was like wait we can do this too like when i was like 26 um yeah so like in the United States, when you're looking at like the fans of anime and manga, diehard fans and people who are making it, it's Black people. And also, so the first time I was in Japan, I had this really interesting experience. In Fukuoka, I got invited to a hip hop show. And I, I, you know, I came with my portfolio. I bring my art portfolio everywhere. And I'm this, you know, I'm a Black artist working in a Japanese medium. And I find myself hanging out backstage with all these Japanese musicians working in a Black medium. And it was a really interesting sort of like cross-cultural situation. And as I'm listening to their music, you know, we talk about appropriation sometimes, which it is a real thing, but it's a fine line. So what's interesting about the Japanese language is um, every sentence ends in a verb, right? Yeah. So like store to I go or or whatever, you know, um, water bottle I drink stuff or I water bottle drink, stuff like that. And every verb rhymes. So when you rap in Japanese, there's a lot of rhyme combinations that you can do that you can't do in other languages. And I found that was so interesting. When you do this cultural mixing, cultural sharing, cultural borrowing, it's a way to like create new art or, you know, new knowledge that couldn't be formed otherwise. So that got me thinking, what happens when a black person like doesn't just draw manga, but really engages with the culture, learns the language, learns manga as a form and makes it like, how can I make something new? So that's where I started thinking of. Hmm. Why do you think, I mean, it's even more than when I was younger mm-hmm. that you see everybody from uh, uh, Megan Thee Stallion to all the black cosplay, anime, I mean, I follow so I'm like, in Atlanta, there's a play, thing called Trap Sushi. I don't know if you heard of Trap Sushi. No, I haven't. Well, it's an event that blends Japanese culture and trap culture. And do it wow. monthly in Atlanta. So they bring cosplay, yeah. they have hip hop, they have DJs, they actually have late night sushi from uh, mm. Japanese sushi chefs. Why do you think 
black culture is even more so than when I was younger or more engaged in this culture of anime and manga. What is it that attracts them to that? Like, yeah. I get to understand when you when like older generation, they had the Kung Fu. But now mm -hmm. the newer generation, millennials and such are just drawn to it, whether it's the clothes or yeah. I forgot that young kid that does uh, all those videos. The black kid uh, does like uh, ghetto cowboy bebop. I forgot his name. I don't uh, know that one. I read an article about it saying it's, it's a place for escapism from the real world, but there's a lot of ways to escapism, right? But right. What, right. what do you think attracts Black culture, hip-hop culture to this medium? I have some ideas, so I don't have a solid, this is the reason why yet. That's one of the mm -hmm. things I'm trying to explore. I think a pessimistic answer, which might not necessarily be wrong, is escapism mixed with it's something outside of the Western canon. So it's also, it's when you think about escaping, going all the way to the opposite side of the world, to something so strange and interesting, which actually comes from sort of an Orientalist uh, sentiment. I think a lot of the reason, you know, Black and white people or Westerners are interested in Japan is because we have this idea of it being the extreme other and we don't know anything about it. And I think that's fascinating to us because we get to go way over there. So I think there's an extra level to the escapism to Japan versus like escaping to like France or Brazil or something like that. Cause it seems so other. Also, I, I will say black music and dance, jazz, blues have been popular in Japan since yeah. like the 70s. Um, so I'm trying to figure that out too. Yeah. Another thing, which this is kind of an aside, but I've been I've been watching Lupe Fiasco's uh lectures at MIT. Mm -hmm. Are they on YouTube? They're on YouTube. Oh, They're amazing. Okay. They're amazing. Um, so one thing that stuck with me is he said in rap, like theory and praxis, the um, one important aspect is surprise. It's, you know, when you say a lyric in a new way or like you make like an interesting rhyme and how people kind of hang on, it's about surprising people. And what's funny is when you read, you know, I've read like these manga textbooks and work with like manga theorists, um, the twist of the story. So surprise is like really important element in manga and in hip hop. So I'm seeing that connection. As for why we love anime so much, I don't have a clear answer. I don't want to stop on escapism because, especially because I'm in the academy right now and everything black has to be negative. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to, I'm, st I'm still, I'm still thinking about that one. Also read you, you did a, uh, you had an exhibit, Azuki, is that correct? Azuki, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, this this is good. so this is going to be my first book i'm working on it now talk about that book on. what's it, how you pronounce it how, i pronounce it wrong what how do you pronounce azuki. it azuki azuki yeah so it means like sweet red bean because she's got like this reddish brown skin mm -hmm. so it's a sort of like action comedy kind of looks you know it's borrowing from some of my favorite like shonen manga and anime that i grew up on like dragon ball and you know you know naruto one piece that type of stuff but there's no violence. Stars a little girl. Um, and it's about um a, it's like she's like a rock, paper, scissors champion. It takes place during like a rock, paper, scissors tournament. Um, but she only plays scissors every time and she wins for like really stupid reasons. So it's like it's like a comedy. Okay. You know, let's a young black boy, a young black girl hears this and like, man, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna learn more about manga. Tell me where today should start. YouTube, YouTube. So um, you learn art through imitation. Um, so read a bunch of manga and sit in your room and work through it and figure it out. Um, and there's a bunch of tutorials on YouTube now. What about books to read? Like what, what are popular books? What are your top five manga books? 
Uh, Monster is my favorite story. That's more adult, um, but it's really, really good mystery. Um, I like Dragon Ball. Um, I like I like One Punch Man and Mob Psycho 100, um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And as far as like the new anime out there, any anime that's piquing your interest that you really love that people should know about? It's fun. I don't watch anime or read manga that much. Mm. Um, yeah, it's funny. I've always felt bad about this, but I just hosted, I brought a Japanese artist, um, a mangaka to the U.S. a couple months ago. And he answered the question. He was like, oh, I never read manga. And I felt like I was finally let off the hook because like, <laughs> oh, this pro mangaka doesn't doesn't do it either. Um, if there's one, I would say Ranking of Kings is a fairly new one Okay, that I like. Yeah. And then going back, how does Japan culture feel about hip hop artists and, and a lot of these young black people enjoying this culture? So you, the you last talk- time I was in Japan, so people don't know. Really? I was in Japan last August and I um so I met with like one of the most famous mangaka Tetsuya Chiba who made like um Ashita no Joe which is you know from the 1960s he's been like knighted by the government for his work so I met with him and he's the president of Bunsei University of Arts him and his faculty gave a presentation on like black interest in anime and manga and all this stuff I met with um the founder and the CEO of Nihon Manga Juku which is like the number one manga vocational school in Tokyo and met with like an editor Kodansha and pretty much everybody I talked to about this was surprised by it. And they were like, Oh, black people like manga, like specifically. But when they find out they're really excited about it, obviously, I think a lot of people don't know. I think the main issue is we're so interested in each other's popular cultures and popular medias, but we don't actually know each other. Hmm. So I've met people who are in the hip hop community in Japan and, or they've never met a black, I'm the first black person they met. Hmm. So they don't actually know our culture very well but they're interested in like kind of what they see on television. And in the same way, we're interested in what we pick up from anime, but like, we gotta like, I think in order to make this real, there has to be some kind of like human connection also. Where you see this going in five, 10 years for yourself? Well, I, so I wanna publish in Japan. So I wanna be like a mangaka. Um, when you publish manga in Japan, you become a sensei. I wanna be a sensei so bad. <laughs> um, there's only a few careers like doctor, lawyer, professor, Mangaka, we are considered a sensei in Japan. Really want to be a sensei. Only one American has done that so far. I want to debut as a mangaka in Japan. I would like to expand and, you know, make like, you know, a popular work, make like toys and games and stuff. Like to get into video games. And um, my main academic goal is to be the first uh, professor of manga practice in the United States. Because you can't learn how to draw manga in the U.S. So I want to like start a program somewhere. Maybe a school. And then finally, what are you listening to right now? Music wise? Music wise, yeah. Oh man. Um, I really like this uh 1970s Japanese folk singer named Hako Yamasaki. I would consider it sort of maybe like a Japanese version of blues. It's not like the blues, it's its own thing. But I really like Hako Yamasaki um so much that I created a piece based off of one of her songs okay. that's gonna be coming out soon. Yeah. Cool. 